You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. We think the solution is out there somewhere. You know, one day when I find the perfect diet, one day when I find the perfect promotion, one day when I win the lottery, but the solution is actually inside. And of course that's more difficult because it involves long, hard looks in the mirror, but that inner journey is actually where we're going to find our happiness. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am delighted that you decided to tune in today. This week's guest is Ian Hatton and we talk all about conscious leadership. And without giving too much away, Ian shares a a personal journey with us. He talks about how to become a better leader, how he went from seeking out authentic leadership and moved into seeking out conscious leadership as well. So we have a really insightful discussion about it. He talks about the various different commitments that we need to make in order to improve our lives in order to be able to lead ourselves better and in order to be able to lead other people better. As always, at the end, I will do a synopsis of some of the key points and the highlights for me and some specific actions that you can take as a result of listening to today's podcast. So do stay tuned for that. And please do get involved in the conversation if you have any thoughts, if you have anything to add, any experience of this yourself. I would absolutely love to hear about it. Do feel free to connect with me Uh, through social media, Aoife O'Brien on LinkedIn and the links are below in the show notes or connect with me on Instagram, happieratwork.ie or if you visit the website, you will see links to all the social media where we are. That's happieratwork.ie. Welcome Ian to the Happier Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. Do you want to give listeners a little bit of a flavor about your background, how you got into doing what you're doing? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'm also known as Morpheus, which I'm going to get to as part of uh, what I'm going to talk about now. And uh, uh, the the whole thing is that I spent 20 years in corporate IT. Uh, I was I worked for Microsoft for, for nearly five years and and I got to observe what was happening in leadership. And it made me quite distraught, including my own leadership of my team that failed miserably at one point. So uh, after all of that, I kind of had this bee in my bonnet about something called authentic leadership. Um, and I wanted to, you know, bring that to the world and thought I am the right person to sort of save the world in terms of this. Uh, of course, you know how that's going to go. Um, and uh, <laughs> the result is some, you know, many years later, eventually, I, I after a long journey, which I don't mind talking about, um, got to this point where conscious leadership is really my thing. And I've now been working with leaders. I've been training and, and developing leaders from more than 90 countries. Uh, now um, over 10,000 sessions and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, all over the world. And it's been a fabulous journey. Mm, that's incredible. And uh, I'm, I'm totally with you there on this idea that you get a bee in your bonnet and you're like, I know how to save the world. I want to do this. Everyone's going to love it. Uh, I kind of almost, you know, dare I say it, a little bit of a God complex because I went through that as well. I was like, I know exactly what's wrong and I know exactly how to change it. But I think humility gets the better of you at some point and you realize that maybe, well, maybe my solution is not the answer for everyone or maybe my solution is not the answer that I thought it was. Um, do you want to kind of take us a little bit on that journey and then we'll, we'll get into um, a conversation around that? Yeah, totally. So at the time that I was busy leaving for Microsoft, I started doing a master's degree in organizational leadership. And I was, uh, in hindsight, realized I was relieved that there was no subject on self-leadership. The reason that I was relieved is that I, you know, had this idea that self-leadership was self-control and I wasn't good at self-control. So let's not go there, you know, let's just work on how we can fix everybody in the way that they lead without having to go on the inner journey. Uh, and of course, yeah, that's exactly where life then takes you, right? So I reached a point in, in 2011 where I'm, I was going through a divorce. I was leaving my business. I was leaving my spiritual community. And that triple whammy got me to think about, hang on, maybe there is a problem here that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, and of course, one of the first waking points is to realize that 
um, self-leadership is not self-control because that would mm-hmm. mean leadership is control and leadership is not control. So yeah. why would self-leadership be control? And self-leadership is leading self. And that then got me on an inner journey of uh, an awakening to myself and making myself my number one job every day and um, and realizing that that's how I could really bring influence and freedom to others. I absolutely love that story. And really interestingly, the, at the time of this recording, these podcast episodes have not yet been released, but the last two interview-based podcasts center around that theme of bringing your authentic self to work, but also working on your own issues internally of what's going on for you. So it's really interesting that there's some parallels uh, completely unintentionally with all of these podcast episodes, you know, on a on that similar theme. Um, you know, if if you're open to it, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that and, and what that means to you, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I can completely relate to this. And I'm sure a lot of people listening today, this idea of, oh, no, I don't want to have to do the work on myself. I'm happy to lead people and change other people and put the responsibility on other people to change themselves. But taking personal responsibility for my contributions to whatever's going wrong or doing the inner work to find out what my own issues are is really scary and I don't want to do it. It is very scary. Uh, And and I mean, I I can discuss it from multiple angles. Let me start with this. One of the things that made it so tangible for me is as I started on this journey and I would wake up every morning I was, I was living in a beautiful place at the time. A friend of mine had given me this place uh, um, to, to occupy. It was a holiday home of his. And I was, I was staying there uh, just basically almost, I was kind of like in rehab because I was burnt out and, and all mm. of this stuff. And I would wake up and I would look over this beautiful lagoon and I would say to myself, I'm my number one job today, which is not the language I grew up with, which is a whole nother story. I, you weren't allowed to love yourself really the way I grew up. And I found myself just making, it wasn't my only job, but my number one job was me and do, learning some breathing techniques, uh, you know, just um, actually I went and, and engaged a therapist as well. I was, I was just on this inner journey of, of what, is the, what is inside of me. But here's the fascinating thing. Almost immediately in the work I was doing, which was sort of, you know, maybe once or twice a month going somewhere and doing leadership development work. I suddenly noticed I was having a deeper impact and I hadn't changed one of my techniques. The techniques were exactly what I'd been doing for the previous five years, but suddenly the impact was completely different. And it was astounding to see how different it was mm. um, in the, the, the feedback I was getting. And I'd get ongoing feedback after I'd finished the training. Um, people kept coming back to me and saying, this has changed and this has changed and this is the story and this is the story they want to tell me. And so there's something about when we do the inner work, it immediately influences others, even without us changing our behavior. Yeah. Is that a subconscious thing, do you think, that whatever is going on for us, if we're healing ourselves, then we're showing up differently, essentially, but not in a conscious way, just in a, I don't know how else to explain it. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful word that you're using there because I call this conscious leadership. And yet you're absolutely right. It's, it's happening at such a deep level that what we're communicating, I think, is subconscious. Um, and the way we're showing up, we don't even realize, but uh, our very stature has changed. Our love that we bring to people has changed. Um, uh, and, and I think there is something of that authenticity. And I mean, this, it's actually quite amusing because my, my goal when I, when I left the corporate world was authentic leadership. And I hadn't been authentic. And suddenly I was now being authentic and I was having a bigger impact. So um, it, 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 it is subconscious, but it's because we consciously engaged with ourselves that that development happens. There's a couple of things I'd love to unpack there. And I suppose it's the meaning of authenticity. And the reason I ask is because I hear different people using it in different ways. And mm. you may have, have shared this before, Ian, this idea that it's okay to show up just as I am, even with everything behind, oh, look, I show up angry because I'm being authentic and I, you know, that kind of idea versus, um, you know, I suppose people taking personal responsibility and 
self-leadership and being authentic from a self-leadership perspective. Any thoughts on maybe the difference between those? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, um, it's, it's not a license to, uh, <laughs> to just do whatever you want. That's not the point of authenticity. The point of authenticity is that what you want to bring to the world, you bring it to yourself first. Um, and you, you, you're, you're prepared to do that work because very often, uh, you know, we, we want to impose on behaviors on other people, but then we don't have ourselves as accountable. Uh, and so I think, you know, the, the concept of emotional intelligence w- would be one simple example of this where in emotional intelligence, I'm very aware of what's happening for me emotionally. And I manage that in a way that I can tell that story without hurting other people. Uh, and I think that be, then becomes so the authenticity for me uh, aligns quite well with vulnerability and transparency. Whereas somebody who's just venting um, over everybody, I don't think that's vulnerable. Um, it might have an element of transparency, but it's not vulnerable. And and it becomes a hallmark. You know, I I've done some mentoring of some young people for a long time, some of whom are now very successful in their own businesses, and. One of the characteristics that they talk about, I've, I've often said to a new mentee, go and speak to them, see what their experience is and find out what they have to say about working with me. And the one theme that comes through every single time is that I don't come across as I've arrived and I'm now trying to sort of help them. Mm. It mm. comes across much more that I'm also on a journey and I will tell you about where I'm struggling on my journey. And that way I will be much more um, disarming and approachable for you to also come and tell me your story. And so the authenticity for me is my own authentic inner leadership journey, not um, my <laughs> vomiting out my uh, latest feelings on, on everybody. That to me is, is not what I mean by authenticity. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting you say about this idea that, um, oh, I've arrived and I'm preaching from a, a place where I know much more than everyone else and I'm... Again, this idea of maybe the God complex, like I'm, exactly. I'm the Messiah and I have all of the answers. And that's not what it's about. It's really interesting that you say that because I think the perception sometimes is with this journey, let's say, of the the inner work. And I've heard people describe it as like an onion. Like you think, oh, I've got through that layer and I'm through the other side and brilliant. And I've worked on that. And then you find that there's something else that maybe triggers you or that you have some more work to do on on your own healing. Um, really, really interesting. Any any thoughts to share? Oh, oh totally. So, so to me, conscious leadership, you never, ever arrive. There is yeah. no such thing as mm-hmm. arriving. Uh, and and there's, uh, I'm going to give you two examples of that. So the one is just, for me, life isn't even about arriving. I um, believe that the, the secret of life is the journey. There, there is no arrival whatsoever. Um, and, and that's where we live life. We don't live life of one day when, you know, one day when I'm thin enough, rich enough, or whatever. That, that, that doesn't come into it for me at all. It's all about, am I continually growing and progressing on, on the journey? And, and um, you know, there's an interesting book on conscious leadership. I don't agree with everything in this book, but it's a book called The 15 Commitments of a Conscious Leader. And they talk about the behaviors which are not conscious leadership behaviors and then the behaviors which are conscious leadership behaviors. And you look at their 15 behaviors that are conscious leadership behaviors and it's unattainable. Nobody could live that all the time. And the secret is not to live there all the time. The secret is how quickly do we become aware when we are on what they call the below the line, the unconscious leadership? Okay. How quickly do we become aware and how good are we at getting ourselves back to the above the line version of ourselves. And that is the secret. It's not to be above the line all the time. It's that growing awareness when we aren't. And what do we do about it? Do we have the skill to move ourselves into being more conscious leaders? Yeah. So if I can rephrase something that you were saying there, it's 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 kind of about living in the present. And it's not expecting that at some time in the future, I'm going to be happy because I've attained X, Y, Z, which I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people are stuck in this idea that exactly when I lose a little bit of weight, then I'll be happy. Right. When I get the promotion, then I'll feel more secure when I when something in the future happens. But more mm. and more I'm hearing and learning myself about it's about being happy with what you have now, 
It's about being right. happy with the process that you're you're going through, about the work that you're doing. And if you're not happy with that, then, you know, again, you need to be aware of that and, and question what's going on that you're not happy with the process or the journey that you're on. Well, I think the, the beautiful example of that is, is, you know, one day when I win the lottery, because oh, yeah, yeah. the research on lottery winners is that they are less happy after having won the lottery than they were before. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's that, that sort of that destination focus that we think that this, in fact, this is, this is the problem. We think the solution is out there somewhere. You know, one day when I find the perfect diet, one day when I find the perfect promotion, one day when I win the lottery, but the solution is actually inside. And of course, that's more difficult because it involves long, hard looks in the mirror. But that inner journey is actually where we're going to find our happiness. Um, the solution is not out there. The solution is inside here. Yeah, love that. Um, I'd love to touch on the idea of the above the line versus the below the line, if you can share anything around that, maybe less focus on the uh, the above the line stuff, if, if you're saying it's not necessarily attainable all the time, but but being aware when you are below the line, um, what kind of things are associated with that? So, so let's, let's give a very simple example. I'm going to be doing a session with, um, I've got people on a one-year um, program and I'm doing a, a tribal gather. we call it a tribal gathering with them on Saturday. And I was doing some preparation and, and commitment number seven is around um, appreciation. And um, the above the line version is that I am open to receive appreciation and I freely give appreciation to others. And the below the line version is um, it's never enough. Um, it must be done the way I want it done. Uh, you know, the, this, this is the kind of thing I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but you, you get the sort of feel for it. Mm. And, and the whole idea is when we become aware, for example, that we're feeling resentful, we know we're then below the line because we're being resentful because we're not being appreciated the way we thought we should. Yeah. And, and we really, you know, that is not helpful. That's in fact, um, a, an extremely uh, unhelpful, um, uh, you know, a, approach. And, and so it's becoming aware that we're in that place. And, and I mean, let me give you the classic example. Uh, and this one I remember learning in the 1980s in my, and I was doing my undergraduate studies. Uh, and it was, there was a, um, a, a, a turkey processing plant in the United States. And they had a particularly good year, an absolutely bumper crop, uh, very, very extremely well uh, received and very profitable. So they decided that every single staff member would get a turkey uh, to take home for Christmas. And, um, uh, and then the next year, it also went well, so they did it again. And then the following year, things went terribly and they were, they were in debt and the company wasn't flourishing and everything. And so they decided to, that they could not afford to give every staff member a turkey. And then, of course, everybody went on strike. It's this sort of, in, it, we build this entitlement. And when yeah. we feel entitled, we're actually below the line. And, and when we um, can experience the gratitude of receiving and giving generously, that puts us back above the line. And, yeah. and we've I actually got a friend and, and we, we, we realized that we've, we've almost both set a little alarm in our heads. The moment we experience resentment, we know we're below the line and we know we're no longer acting in, um, in unconditional love. We're now suddenly acting transactionally, yeah. uh, which of course is, is, is not going to make us happy. Okay, really interesting. And um, so on this above the line, below the line, and based on what you're saying, I'm like, I feel like I need to go out and buy this book and add it to the very long list of books that are on my shelf and in my Kindle and that I've borrowed from the library as well. <laughs> um, but if I'm hearing right, it, it's, um, it's, it's like a continuum. So like there'll be a theme, say appreciation and uh, on the one hand, when you're above the line, you have gratitude and you you show gratitude to people. And if you're below the line, then you have a sense of entitlement and resentment. Yes, exactly that. So maybe I can give you one or two other examples and I think you it'll make a lot more sense. So mm. um, let me, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let me, let me do commitment number two because I think it's quite interesting. And in fact, I, I'm later one to do, I think it's commitment number eight because that's the one that I want to talk about in terms of being happier at work. So um, commitment number two says this, the conscious or above the line version, I commit to growing, sorry, it's learning through curiosity is the heading. Okay. Um, the conscious one is I commit to growing in self-awareness. I commit to regarding every interaction as an opportunity to learn. 
and I commit to curiosity as a path to rapid learning. The unconscious or below the line version says this, I commit to being right and to (laughs) seeing this situation as something that is happening to me. I commit to being defensive, especially when I'm certain that I'm right. Very relatable. Very relatable. Very relatable. (laughs) So every time I find myself holding on to being right, I'm going, hang on, hang on. I'm not being curious anymore. How do I, how do I move myself out? How do I maybe take a few breaths? whatever so I I was told by a mentor about 10 years ago now it's more important to be helpful than to be right so this is in the context of our clients asking for something and they're maybe asking for something very specific so if you know that that specific thing is not going to be of benefit to them and Mm. they've asked for the wrong thing they've outlined what it is they want and they've asked for a very specific uh, thing from you that the opportunity then is to say, actually, based on what you've told me, it sounds like what would be more helpful is this, rather than being right and delivering what it is that they've asked for, when you know that that's not the right thing that that they that will help them that will that they need. Yeah. Exactly, and 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 one of the things that I find so many leaders and it becomes an ego attached thing and so on, but it's pretty unconscious, is that people think that their job as a leader is to win arguments. And, mm. and for me, um, and to be right, and, if, and, and the moment they're not right, they're vulnerable, somebody could take their role or something like that. And, and I, I'm going, no, the opposite is true. Um, leadership, you could win arguments and lose battles, battles like engagement, battles like, you know, um, uh, productivity. Uh, so to me, the leader job is not about being right. The leader job is about facilitating people's engagement and productivity and, uh, and, and, and those sort of things and growth. Um, and, and, and the classic example for me is um, a, <laughs> a bit of an internal thing, again, a bit of a confession in the days prior to my sort of awakening, if you like, is I was delivering training um, uh, in a, a big financial institution here in South Africa. And they, um, uh, I got feedback on my valuation form that said this, it said, Ian's need to be right is getting in the way of being a good facilitator. Oh, interesting. I'm sure that was very hard to hear. It was crashing. It was crashing. It took me about three weeks to recover, but it actually changed the direction of my life. That I realized that my job as a facilitator is not being the expert. I am an expert, but it's not my job. My job is facilitating the learning, which is a drawing out of them, not a putting in. Yeah. And and that is is kind of aligned with this uh, commitment. So when I read this commitment, I just laughed because... Uh, this has been such a tough journey for me and I yeah. still get it wrong every now and then, but um, it's it's so good to get it right as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there particular things that you feel are more common than others when it comes to conscious leadership, as in uh, trying to be a more conscious leader? Are there some obstacles, some things that are more in the way than others? So to me, there there's sort of two or three massive obstacles in, and it's they're all in the mindset. They they they're yeah. not real obstacles. They're all in the mindset, um, and and some of them in culture, um, and and one of them is this need to be right. This sort of sense that it's my job to play the expert, whereas in fact, great leaders are their hallmark is asking good questions, uh, not yeah. giving all the answers, um, and and when I ask leaders about that, and I say, well, what would it be like? if you could lead by asking more questions than giving more answers. And they said, well, they wouldn't be leading anymore. And then I go, no, 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 let's talk about that. What do you mean? And they said, well, if they keep asking questions, aren't they going to look like they don't know anything? And then I take them through all the techniques and they go, oh my goodness, this is real leadership. This is hard work, mm. listening, not you know, drawing out, not forcing, um, asking difficult questions, questions that, that get other, their, their team members to take more ownership. Whereas yeah. when they are pushing at them, they kind of go, oh, in, in the, the ownership lies with the leader. Whereas when they're being asked great questions, it's kind of like, oh my goodness, this is my job. I, I, better, I better shape up here. You know, so that they realize suddenly that actually asking good questions is, is a higher level of leadership. So that's the one is this whole thing of being right versus uh, facilitating the growth and development of their people um, and the ownership of their roles. Um, uh, that, that's, that's really what it's about. But, but the bigger issue I encounter 
uh, actually, we, we kind of hinted at already in, in the earlier part of the conversation, and that is leaders with a victim mindset. Mm. And this is to me, you, you would be uh, shocked. I have worked with managers of managers of managers of managers, very, very senior people in big global organizations. And in the training, they will say something to me like, well, I'm not going to do it for my people if my boss doesn't do it for me. And I'm kind of going, that's not leadership. <laughs> you know, that's a bit like Nelson Mandela saying, well, until the government changes, I'm not going to try and lead the country. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that's not leadership. Leaders, leaders bring change. Leaders bring to their people what, that which was never given to them. But it goes further because then the next thing, the next excuse they come up with is they're blaming their staff, their bad leadership. Yeah. Mm. I'm going, that's not leadership. And then, of course, they're victims of the economy and the, and the politics and all sorts of things. And I'm going, that's not leadership. Conscious leadership is, I, I, I understand all of that, but I'm going to bring what I've got here to the world. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's the opposite of the victim. So in many ways, I say the opposite of conscious leadership is the victim mindset. If you are a longtime listener to the Happier at Work podcast, you will have heard me speak previously about my signature Happier at Work program. The program has now moved beyond the pilot phase and it's for organizations who want to maintain a really great culture that they already have. They know that their staff are really, really important and they want to retain staff for as long as possible and drive a sense of better engagement at work. Overall, ultimately, what the program does is create a happier working environment using research-backed methods. What that means is we look at the current state of play, what needs to change, and then we measure the effectiveness of that change during the program and also when the program finishes. The program itself is very practical and it is designed with coaching as well in order to embed the learning into the organization. From what you're saying, it means that someone at any level in an organization can activate that. Yes. But you don't have to, be, you know, if you take the decision that my boss doesn't do this for me, so therefore I'm not doing that for my staff, then it's nothing is ever going to change. You know, that that implies that it has to start from the top. But if you create a team environment where where you're taking responsibility, where you're not putting the blame on other people, mm. then, well, more people are going to work. Exactly. <laughs> or more people are going to want to work on your team. Exactly. Um, you know, and people will start taking notice. And that's how things change, I think, from from kind of lower in the organization. Totally agree. You know, I, one of the, the courses I've done, um, uh, delivered quite a lot, and for some quite large organizations, is a self-leadership course. And very often on the self-leadership, I mean, sometimes they send uh, quite senior leaders, but very often it's it's people in positions of influence who are not considered positionally leaders as such. Now, an example would be maybe the personal assistant to a senior leader, or uh, you know, somebody in 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 that sort of position. And in that course, we talk about your points of power. And I remember this one particular course, and we had. Um, I think it was the personal assistant to the general manager for this organization in all of South Africa. So a very senior position, and it's a global organization, so this is a very senior position. And she sort of said, no, she has no power. There's no power at all that she right. has. And, and everybody around the table knew her. And I mm. just paused a little bit and I said, well, what do you think of her power? And they were aghast. They said, well, number one, you, you're one of the most powerful people in the organization because you have the, the keys to the gate of us getting access yeah. to your, your boss. But then they said, but no, that's not even your superpower. Your superpower is you're the best listener we've ever met. And when you listen, you are influencing us and you have incredible mm -hmm. power when you do that. And yeah, you can lead at any level by, you know, listening is an incredible leadership skill. It makes people feel trusted. It, it empowers people. It helps them to think through things. Um, and, and we, we sort of forget we, we, especially, I don't know, I don't know if it's global, but especially in Africa, we find a lot of it, the assumption is leadership is about telling people things, telling people to do things. 
I think that's a global assumption. <laughs> it's safe to say. I, I mean, from what I see out there, things are changing. Yeah. For sure, they're changing. But I think that's the mentality, certainly, I was brought up with, that that's what a leader does. Yeah. Um, is is you tell people what to do and it's your job to to tell people. Yeah. And, the, and again, that's then associated with being right again. So, um, yeah, we, we really want to get to this the, a different kind of a mindset where we look at at influence and how does influence work? And it's so multifaceted. Um, and, and, and yeah, we do want clear expectations and these kinds of things, but, but the sort of, uh, telling isn't growing people. Um, listening grows people. Y- you know, that situation, we've all encountered it where you're really struggling with something and you say, have you got a minute? I just want to, you know, get some insight or an idea. And you've just finished explaining the whole thing and you go, Oh, I know exactly what to do. Thank you very much. The other person goes, yeah. What did I do? Yes. Well, you listened and that yeah. changed everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're able to verbalize. And when you say something out loud, I think it helps you, for me, certainly, it helps me to process what it is that, that I'm trying to do. And, um, and that certainly reminds me of a time um, when I was doing my master's dissertation, actually, when I was able to uh, verbalize stuff, when I was able to say it out loud, it really helped me to process what it was and, and to kind of put things in the right order and all of that. So it, uh, definitely I can relate to that. It, it, it helps um, to be able to say stuff out loud. So I'm sure other people listening can relate to, you know, just when you talk about a problem, it helps you to kind of solve it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, w- when in in um, the work that I do with Totally Morpheus, we have a particular uh, piece of leadership development, which is uh, I call the, the method, the Morpheus method. And that is connect, stimulate, challenge. And the connect is all about listening, making people feel heard, make, making you know, get where people say, yes, you got me, you know, that, that's the, the, the connect and the listening. The stimulate is asking questions to shift perspective. And so when we ask really, really good questions, so the listening on its own is, is a great skill and it is leadership, but there's more. And the asking incredible questions, which can shift levels of ownership, you know, for example, saying, um, so what could you do about that? Or I see that you've got off track. Um, you know, when do you think you'll be back on track? You know, you, you, you're getting people or, or even, um, you know, wh- what the, do your teammates, uh, think of, of, of that approach? Uh, what are your clients? How do they view it? You know, what, you know, asking those kinds of questions that people can see it from another perspective. And that, to me, that's the stimulate. I'm um, asking, asking questions. And I, I could actually tell you a story about a, somebody I mentored about this particular process. And then, um, the final one is the challenge where you, you're kind of going, okay, so now that you're seeing this from a different perspective, what are you going to do about it? Or where could you go with it or something like that? And, and I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. This, the first time I ever did this in the sequence, um, and it wasn't, it, it was just one of those intuitive things. Um, I had a, a young man who came to see me. He had uh, fathered a child outside of marriage. Uh, he was very young. He was still a student. Um, he had no intention of marrying the mother. He didn't feel that that would be useful. Um, but he wasn't being given access to the child. And this was in an African setting where there's some cultural issues at play as well in this kind of scenario. And, um, and, and so he told me this whole story and I listened and he, and he really, you could see he started to really open up. He felt heard. Um, but he was very indignant that he wasn't being given access to this child. And I said to him, so tell me this. Uh, what do you think of the idea of um, having rights without responsibility? And he was like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? So I said, well, tell me, how, what have you done so far for this child? Um, and the child was a few months old. And he said, well, what do you mean? I have no money. I, you know, I'm a student. And, and, and he really was genuinely um, exceptionally poor. And... Um, and I said, well, you know, if you don't do anything for the child, why would you be given access rights to the child? And you could just see all the wheels turning. And, and, and he went, you know what, that's a really interesting challenge. And uh, about three or four weeks later, he uh, messaged me to say he'd sent a blanket. It, and it was getting towards winter. It was autumn and it was getting towards winter. And he sent a blanket. And, and, and literally within a couple of months, he was giving visit, he's got visiting rights. He was paying for childcare. Uh, he, he, he found a way. And, and mm. it's this whole thing of he, he wouldn't have been open to my challenge if there wasn't first the listening, 
the asking of good questions and then the challenge. And so that's a, a great leadership process. And it, and it, it, it takes a bit of humility. It takes a bit of courage even to, to not jump in with the solution, but to realize that we've got human beings and they want to be heard. And then yeah. they are open to ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you can, I suppose, come from a place of empathy and, and understanding mm. for the situation, but then asking the right questions. So again, this idea of um, listening, then asking. But I love the, the, the kind of bolt on there, the challenge as well. So now that you know what you know, yeah. what are you actually going to do about it? Exactly. Um, and, and, and maybe that brings us to a place where we say, okay, so for someone who's listening to this podcast episode today, what would you say practically could be a first step for someone who's listening if they're interested in this and if they if they they want to become more of a conscious leader or like let's even take the labels out of it if they want to become a better leader mm. what would you say are the first steps that someone listening today could take it's it's got to be the inner journey it's got to be and i know that sounds intimidating and and there's no quick fix there this is one of those slow down to speed up moments there's no there is no quick fix um, but it's it's being aware of your own internal barriers. What stops you from listening? So take, for example, this this thing that I was challenged on of uh, my need to be right was getting in the way of being a good facilitator. What if my need to be right is getting in the way of being a good leader? What is that need to be right? Is that, am I attaching my security to playing the expert um, instead of, um, you know, finding my inner security and not needing that um, you know, and that's that, that's the mm -hmm. inner journey. So, unfortunately, I, I, I mean, you're asking a great question. What's the first step? Uh, but but I think I need to contextualize that first step, and that is this is not easy. This is yeah, is yeah, looking yeah. in the mirror, and that's that's why I said just, not the entire journey. Maybe just the first step that someone could take. So it's not it's not that scary, but but maybe it's a case of being aware of that. And I think there's some things that have happened to me and I don't know, is it because of the conversations that I'm having on the podcast, but there's been some things that I've been very aware of and I'm like, oh, that's triggering for me. Okay, let's have a look inside. Why, why do I feel the way I feel when I see someone sharing that information right. or when I have that, that conversation with someone? What's going on for me? And just noticing it and journaling on it, essentially, and saying, and when has this happened in the past and, and why is that such a problem for me? Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. Awareness is absolutely the first step. Uh, the, mm. There is no point in engaging with the journey if you aren't aware. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the awareness builds the momentum. So that is, is the first step. And then from awareness, um, we, can, we, can, we can go towards acceptance because sometimes we need to accept that's where we are before we can shift it. A lot of people think that once they become aware, it's now force a change. But actually, there's something okay. about accepting. Oh, this is my. This is where I'm at. Uh, this is what's going on. I do have a need to be right, or I do have a trigger about X, Y, Z subject, whatever it might be. And and then accepting that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's almost like if you drop somebody in the desert and you say to them, "You now need to find your way somewhere to a certain destination." If they don't yeah. know where they are and accept where they are, how do they plot the path to where they need to be? And, and we need to be aware and accept that because yeah. that's, that's the tough step is that people want to, want to deflect it. I, I was going to say exactly that, Ian, like this, I think acceptance, awareness is probably you're like, okay, I'm aware of this now. And you've kind of wished that you weren't aware yes. because when you're aware, yes. you feel like you have to do something about it. Yes. And then acceptance is the really difficult part because what what you want to do when you're aware of something is change yourself in some way. And we're like, I wish I wasn't like this and I exactly. wish I was different and I wish, I wish, I wish. Mm. But it's about accepting yourself as you are. And I, you know, that's really hard. And I'm even talking about it now, like with some of the things that have come up recently, mm. it's like, that's going to be a hard step to take is accepting that that's just how things are. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, it's not about fixing. It's not, you know, it's about accepting. Yeah, so I've got a, a an eleven week uh, journey we take um, leaders on for the inner part of of conscious leadership journey. It's an introduction level; it's not the advanced level, but that introduction level eleven week process. And we do um, in that, other than introductions and conclusions, we do three weeks on um, engaging with your own uniqueness, three weeks on on understanding the conditioning that you've been through and and how you reverse that conditioning to get free. And then the last three weeks is radical self-acceptance. 
Because mm-hmm. if you don't accept, you can't change. And so yeah. think, I will accept myself when I've changed. And the exact uh, yeah, opposite yeah. is true, that we are more likely to change when we've accepted ourselves. And that is a big challenge for so many people. Yeah, I can relate to that, absolutely. And it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think it links in nicely with this idea of I'll be happy when yes. I'll accept myself when I'm different, when I've learned how to overcome this, when I am no longer triggered, when I, but it's about accepting yourself as you are in the moment and not waiting for a time in the future when it's acceptable to accept yourself. Right. I, I remember having a conversation with one of my clients who's also a close friend. And she said to me, no, 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 but if she can't accept, she needs, she can't accept this thing because she has to change. And so I said, well, how long have you struggled with this? And she went, oh, about 25 years. So I said, well, you know, is it maybe time to try a different approach? Because you've been trying to change yourself and then you'll accept yourself for 25 years. How about just at least giving the other other way around a try, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So the awareness, the acceptance, was there something beyond that as well? Or is it just awareness and acceptance? I say just as if it's, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's such a foundational piece, the awareness and acceptance. But but there Mm. is, um, to me, there are further steps. Uh, I think from acceptance, um, there is actually, how do I leverage this? How do I leverage what I've what I've now accepted to 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 shift to a new place? And how do I not just Go beyond, go beyond acceptance to the place of loving myself in this. Because that, that to me is part of this continuous journey. I mean, let's flip it around to something positive. Um, you know, if I can be aware that I have an area of my life where I'm a genius, and we all do, every one of us mm. does, and then I can accept that genius, which is such a difficult journey for most of us. Yeah. Then I can say, well, how can I leverage this genius and how and and do I love myself enough to be able to bring this to the world that it can make an impact? And I don't mm-hmm. think the the negative ones are actually that different a journey. It's um it's awareness, it's acceptance, it's loving myself, and that can empower how I can stop that thing from from sabotaging maybe my my leadership. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting and. And, you know, we're not going to get into it today. I think we'll wrap things up in in a minute due to time. But this idea of self-sabotage has definitely come up on the the podcast before and certainly has come up for me and conversations that I have with people as well that subconsciously we sabotage ourselves um, because of fear, because of our conditioning, because we're afraid maybe of succeeding in some mm-hmm. cases as well. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a really interesting concept, mm-hmm. I think, this idea of self-sabotage. Um, Ian, maybe share with us a little bit about the, the story behind Morpheus that you mentioned at the start. Um, and if you want to let people know how they can connect with you as well. Certainly. So the the, the story is that uh, I was working with some some friends. We were sort of playing around who are we mythically or mystically, you know, just a, a playful idea, um, but perhaps at, 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 with a deeper truth attached to it. And um, and we all kind of went away and thought about it and we came back and and this one was Gandalf and this one was River from the Serenity thing, if you know anything about that and and so on. And they got to me and I said, I have no idea. And and my my best friend's wife looked up at me and said, but it's so obvious. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, but you Morpheus. And I said, oh, I wish I was Morpheus. I could never be Morpheus. And everybody else, you could just see the wheels turning. They said, no, Ian, but you are Morpheus. And of course, Morpheus, you know, is the, the Greek god of dreams, the one who awakens dreams in others. Um, um, we had Neil Gaiman's Sandman series with the lead characters, Morpheus. And they say in many ways, Morpheus of the Matrix movies was also based on the Sandman character um, from Neil Gaiman. And, and, you know, Morpheus is the one who believes when others have stopped believing. Morpheus is not the, the hero, but it's the one who raises up the hero. Um, Morpheus is, is the one who awakens the dream and, and, and awakens people to who they really are and what they're really here for. And, and, uh, it's taken me quite a journey. This was some 18 years ago that I was told I'm Morpheus and it's been quite a journey yeah. to accept yeah, yeah. that that's, that's kind of who I am. Wow. It's yeah. powerful, powerful. 
And if people want to connect with you, um, what's the best way they can do that? And if, if you want to mention any events that you have coming up or anything where people can kind of reach out right. and understand a little bit more. So the easiest is is LinkedIn. Um, you know, when you Google Ian Hatton, you're going to find a movie producer in the US and so on. But if you go into LinkedIn and you look at Ian Hatton, um, I have the Ian Hatton phrase, you know, so forward slash Ian Hatton, that's me. Um, so okay. that's the easiest way. And and I don't have an event, but I've got a, a little invitation for your your people. And that is a, a beautiful little assessment called the EGG, the Essence Growth Gap. Uh, and it's a, it's a leadership assessment that will explore your con- how, uh, where you are at in your conscious leadership journey. Um, and uh, there's no sort of bad place to be. There's simply an awareness again that we can then work with acceptance and see what we can do with it. Um, and that is a little QR code that's right there on my um, LinkedIn profile immediately. And people can go in and do it. It's a free assessment. Um, and and uh, that, I think, um, will will take people on this journey of what, exactly what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting you say that there's no pl- bad place to be because I think we tend to judge ourselves. Totally. We tend to, you know, oh, I'm, I, I wasn't aware of that and now I'm aware and uh, I'm a terrible person or whatever it might be. Um, but we do tend to do that. But it's it's really great to know that like it's a judgment free space, um, you know, and, and you're not allowed to judge yourself either. <laughs> Conscious leadership is not a self-flagellation space. It's a space of <laughs> awareness and going, oh, wow, I've just been given a great gift. What can I do with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like feedback as well and, yeah. and treating feedback exactly. as a gift. Ian, what does being happier at work mean to you? Well, well, I'm going to give you uh, just two examples because I mean, we could I could talk for hours on that subject. But I just seeing that we were talking about the commitments, there's a particular commitment which is excelling in your zone of genius. And the mm. above the line version is this: I commit to expressing my full magnificence and to supporting and inspiring others to fully express their creativity and live in their zone of genius. And my observation is that when we do it ourselves and we empower others to do the same, there is a happiness that comes. There's a joy. You know, it's that thing that, but that's so easy. It just, it just happens. It just flows from me. And it's, it's that state that, that is really exciting. And by the way, the um, unconscious or below the line version is this. I commit to holding back and not realizing my full potential by living in areas of incompetence, competence, and excellence. And that shakes people up because we often think the pinnacle is excellence. No, the pinnacle is genius. And that's where true happiness is found in the workplace. And it's, and it, and, and I've said there's two parts to it because it's something for me to, to know and bring, but it's something for me to empower and enable in my people. Um, and they then are going to be so much happier in what they're doing when yeah. at least 20% of their day is spent in a zone of genius. It changes everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, that's a, a topic for an entire topic for a whole other podcast episode, if you'd be up for it. it in fact, talking I think about this too, idea of zone of genius. I think there too, <laughs> yeah. because the self-sabotage one, I've got a whole methodology, well, not methodology, a, a lot of experience in helping people in that area. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, this one, the genius one is, 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 uh, is massive. I'd love to, love to come back. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Ian. Always a pleasure. Uh, to talk to you, to yeah. to listen to you. So I really, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom uh, with us today. Thank you. It's been a joy. That was Ian Hatton talking all about conscious leadership and I suppose how he moved from seeking out authentic leadership into more of a conscious leadership approach. And I absolutely loved that conversation I would love for you to get involved in that conversation as well. If you check out the website happieratwork.ie, you'll find links to all of our social media platforms there. I think one of the standout comments for me today was this idea of every day waking up and thinking my number one job is me. So it's not about other people. It's about working on yourself and and. One of the points that Ian made as well is about being prepared to do the work. So actually accepting that responsibility, that it's your responsibility. I love this this idea as well. And, you know, I've heard this many, many times that oftentimes we look outside of ourselves for solutions. We think that the solution is out there somewhere, but actually the solution is not out there. The solution is 
internal. It's it's within us. And life is about a journey. It's about going on that journey and you're never, ever going to arrive. So it's not a case of Ian has arrived or I have arrived at some mystical destination where I have all the answers. It's about going on your own journey and understanding yourself a little bit more. I loved what Ian had to say as well about emotional intelligence. So, you know, and I ha- again, I have heard this before where some people think that it's okay to be, uh, to, you know, bring their entire selves to work, including if that means that they're being angry because they're just being authentic to themselves. But it's the emotional intelligence side of things means that you're being, you're aware of what's actually happening, but you're able to relate that story inside you of what's happening in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Ian also shared about this above the line versus below the line way of behaving. And a couple of the examples that he shared were the obstacles that we have, uh, particularly in relation to our mindset. So the need to be right or the need to be an expert is something that gets in the way of us being helpful or being kind to other people. And the other one he shared was about the victim mindset. So I'm not doing it. my leader doesn't do it for me, therefore I don't need to do it for my team. And I'm wondering, is this something that you can relate to? I know certainly in both of those cases, that's something that I have experienced in the past. And maybe it's something I need to be more aware of in my interactions with people as well. But just something to think about for yourself. Are you playing the victim or do you have this innate need to be right? And I think moving beyond that as well, something that Ian shared from his own personal story, his own personal situation was, you know, digging a bit deeper of where does that need to be right actually come from? We also talked about listening as a superpower. So it it enables people and empowers people to build a sense of trust. So connecting with people by listening, stimulating them by asking questions and then challenging them then when they have the answers to those questions, where would you go with this? So what is the next step for you? And the last thing I wanted to share from today's episode is this idea of acceptance. So it's a judgment-free space. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to judge ourselves. And I think sometimes that's actually really hard. You know, we have this tendency to want to judge ourselves, that we feel that we've done something bad if we haven't known this up to now. Um, But coming and approaching this from a place of acceptance, I will accept myself uh, once I've changed. You know, it's, it's getting rid of that whole mentality, the kind of mentality that doesn't serve us very well at all. And it's a similar idea to this. I'll be happy when, you know, it's external at some point in the future, rather than bringing it back to today and the present moment. And how can you improve your happiness now? How can you accept yourself now just as you are? And I think it's so important that I mention this again. My number one job is me. So waking up with that thought, that belief, that attitude that you are here to work on yourself every day. I would absolutely love to know what you thought of today's episode. I'd love to get you involved in the conversation. I'd love to know what you are going to do differently as a result of listening to today's episode. Is it something that resonated with you? Is it some a journey that you're already on? Has it sparked something in you that maybe you're going to try and do things differently? Do let me know. Get involved in the conversation. Connect with me through happieratwork.ie and I would love to hear from you. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.